Let's talk. Ever had anybody say that to you? Ever tried to talk with a can on one end and a can on the other end and string it together as a kid? Um, How many of you know that doesn't work real well? All kind of things happen. Beginning a series today called Let's Talk, and we're going to be looking at the whole aspect of talking to God, what we really call as Christians, we call prayer. And what I've found through the years is this, is that so many Christians miss out on the blessings and the benefit of prayer because they just don't understand what it is to pray. We've made prayer religious duty. We've made prayer some kind of theological exercise instead of understanding that prayer really is just talking to God. And so I want you to grab your Bibles or whatever you have the Word of God downloaded on your smart device today and go to the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, and I'm going to begin in the ninth verse in just a moment. As you're doing that, let me say hello to the campuses today that are joining with us. My name is Eddie Couples, and I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And already today we've met in different locations, in different places. We've worshiped God. We've prayed together. And now we're getting ready to go into the Word of God together as a corporate body. And I just challenge you today to get ready to receive what God has for you as I preach in this location today. The book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, uh, is, is a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, in fact, people who don't even go to church probably know what I'm getting ready to read. So uh, would you look there beginning in the ninth verse, and it says this, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, we've, we've all either heard that or read that or sung that at some point in time, and, and it's kind of, you know, in the culture of America, uh, we all know what the Lord's Prayer is. But what we really don't understand is, is that when Jesus is speaking this, when the disciples come to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us as John's disciples learned how. Teach us to pray. Jesus wasn't just telling us, hey, recite this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And for thine is kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen. I pray today. Got my prayer time in. I knocked it out. Right? That, that's, how many of you know that, that Jesus had a little bit more uh, in mind than just kind of reciting and, and, and kind of going through a ritual there? That, that in fact, if you study the Jewish rabbis of that day, uh, they, they would give a directive. They would give words, but then, then in those words, they would come back and they would do teaching out of that. And so over the next few weeks together, I'm going to be looking at, again, what we call the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to hopefully help us to understand how to break this down and how to apply this to our lives. Because here's what I want to tell you. If you ever find out the power that is in prayer, you'll never stop. If you ever find out the benefits that come from you having a a time with God on a daily basis, I promise you it will not be drudgery, it will not be routine, it will not be something that you have to do, it will be something that you get to do. In fact, what you find in Scripture is this, in the very beginning of time, God came down daily to talk with mankind. God chose daily to spend time with man, And, and He still wants to do the same thing with us on a daily basis, God wants to spend time with you. And so as you look at that, it, it begins, our Father which art in heaven. And, and, and how many of you know that a lot of times our whole understanding of Father is kind of messed up? 
right? Now, some of you came from, from backgrounds. Maybe your father wasn't in the home. My father was killed when I was 14 years of age, seemingly at that really critical time of a teenager, uh, and so I didn't have a father in my life. And, and, and a lot of you understand what that's like, and, and, or, or maybe you had a, a father that really was kind of distant or, or whatever the issue is. And yet the Word of God tells us that you and I are to cry out, Our Father, which art in heaven. Now, what we have to understand, first of all, is this, is that your Father in heaven is perfect. Your Father in heaven is righteous. He's, he's never going to do you wrong. He's never going to treat you wrong. Uh, but, but as we look at that, uh, what, what the Word of God says is this. There's another passage of Scripture that says that you are to enter the gates, or you are to enter God's presence with thanksgiving and into His courts with what? Praise. And so you begin your time with God. We, we don't just rush into God. Have, have you ever had your kids just run in and start begging you for stuff? Doesn't that just tick you off a little bit? I mean, the only time that they're nice to you is when they want something. Right? Come on. In fact, some of you know that if they start buttering you up, they want something. Oh, Mama, you're the best. I just love you more. You go, okay, kid, what do you want? Right? Uh, now, God's smarter than you are, so if you're trying to butter him up, he's going to know it, okay? Uh, but here's what we have to understand is that there is an approach into the presence of God. There, there are protocols into the presence of God. And the way that we start that off is that we start that off with thanksgiving. And as we start that off with thanksgiving, there are things that come and, and we begin to understand that there are benefits that God gives to us. And, and so as you, as you begin that, and let me just give you a, a key here I think that Scripture lines out to us, is that when you, when you go into the presence of God, you need to begin to thank God that you can call Him Father by the virtue of the blood. You, you need to say, God, I just thank you today that through the blood of Jesus Christ that I now have the right to call you my Father. I come to you today, and, and again, you can spend time there. Well, I, I thank you, because what you have to understand is this, is that the blood of Jesus was what God used to adopt us into His family. Because of the blood of Jesus, you and I can say, our Father. He is our Father. And, and there's this covenantial relationship that you and I now have with God Almighty. So our Father who art in heaven. God, I just come to you today and I thank you that you're my Father. In fact, another passage says uh, that you're to call him Abba, Father. And that word Abba, for, for how many of you are Southerners? How many of you are Southerners? Come on, all, all the Southerners raise your hand. Northerners, you want to understand this, okay? If you're north of the Mason-Dixon line, you want to understand. Uh, it, it's just saying Daddy. Right? Have you ever had you? My daughter was the best at that. Daddy, and when she could say daddy, and she's just going to get it, right? And, and that's basically what, what we're saying. We're just going to God. God, you're my, you're my daddy. You're, you are there to take care of me. You're there to, to minister in my life. You're there to bless me. You are there to do it. So, so we approach the Lord in thankfulness. Lord, I thank you today. And, and then the Bible says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed is kind of a, it's kind of an archaic word. It's not something that, you know, you don't go around and say, oh, you are very hallowed today, <laughs> right? You've probably never used that term outside of the Lord's Prayer. The word hallowed means to be set apart. Uh, and, and so what we're saying is, Lord, uh, we know that your name and who you are is so holy and so righteous that, that we, we place it in a special place. The, the Bible says that, that, uh, that Jesus was given a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is what? 
Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so you and I, understanding that, that, that we begin to say, Lord, I, I just bless you. I hallow your name today. I come before you. I'm thanking you. And now I'm praising you for who you are. And, and that's how prayer operates. That, that's how this, this whole aspect of let's talk, that's how all of that takes place. But when you begin to understand that, you begin to see that in the Old Testament, if you go back into the Old Testament, you will find out that God is referred to in the Old Testament with compound names. Uh, And and it always begins with Jehovah, and then it will be Jehovah something. It will be Jehovah. The, The word Jehovah just means I am that I am. What God is saying, before everything was, I am. And after everything is, I am. I I am that I am. I'm the true eternal God. In in other words, it's the covenantial name of God that he used all through the Old Testament. And and so when we begin to look at that, what we see is, is that as we enter into the gates of the Lord with thanksgiving, as we come to that place where we're praising God and adoring him, that there are some benefits that the Old Testament compound names of God show us that we can apply to our lives. And so I want to take time, I'll give you five benefits out of your life, out of your prayer time. Now, let me, let me stop real quickly. How many of you know that before you're going to do something, you got to know what you're going to get out of it? No, tell the truth. Come on, don't lie in church. All right, you say, oh, no, I just, I just, no, no, no. No, you, you don't show up for 40 and 50 weeks. I'm 50, sometimes it feels like 50 weeks. 40 or 50 hours this week. Just because, well, I just think I'll just go down there. No, no, no. You're expecting at the end of those 40 or 50 hours, what? You're expecting a paycheck, aren't you? I mean, you may like those guys, but you're not going to go hang with them that many hours unless they're going to give you something, all right? Now, now you say, well, that's, that's kind of a bad way to look at prayer. Well, no, no, no. God created us. He wired us the way that we are. And he knows that human beings have to understand what the benefits are. And if we understand what the benefits are, then it, it, then it motivates us uh, to live the way God wants us to live. I had somebody, uh, you know, say, well, you know, how, how do I lose weight? Well, when you understand the benefits, right, it why y'all get so tight? You think I'm going to get on Weight Watching or something? It's chill out. Chill out. I just, I just threw it out there. We'll move on because I bound the spirit, I can tell, okay? Uh, but, but there are benefits that come uh, in that time with God. As we're praying for, for the Lord and asking Him into our life and seeking Him, things begin to happen. Let me give you benefit number one. I think it's the greatest benefit of all. is forgiveness of sin and deliverance from sin's dominion. Forgiveness from sin and deliverance from sin's dominion. The Word of God says this about your life. It says that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away, and and all things have been made what? New. Everything's been made new in your life. Now, let me ask you a question. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. How many of you still got some old things? All right. Would you please just look around to people that didn't lift their hands, and you know what their old thing is. Their old thing is lying. <laughs> right? Like, oh, I didn't understand the question. I got it, all right? Uh, you know, we, we've all, we've, and, and here's, here's the, the kind of the, the, the issue of that sometimes is we say, well, Lord, I read where your word says I'm made new, but I still got this stuff. I've still got these things. I, I understand. Now, what we're talking about is covenant. You have to understand that we're in covenant relationship with God. When, when God looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ, he sees no imperfections. 
you didn't hear me. That, that's why you start off your prayer thanking God for the blood. Because God looks through the blood, He sees no imperfection. The Bible says this about Jesus, that He ever liveth to make intercession for you. That, that anytime the enemy makes a railing accusation against you, Jesus' blood intercedes on your behalf and says, not, not guilty, I've already paid the price, I've already paid the penalty. And so God looks through that and He says, perfect. But in our lives, we understand that, that we're still struggling. So how do we get to that place of living the life? You know, the Bible says that we're to be striving for perfection. Right? Now, I, I've met a lot of Christians in my life. I've never met one who's made it. I've met several who thought they had. Uh, but I've never met anybody who's made true, true perfection. The only perfect one was Jesus. Uh, the only truly holy one was Jesus. So how do we get there? Well, this, again, I'm, I'm trying to give you Scripture real quickly this morning, uh, so I'm not giving you a lot of references. But the Word of God says that, that you are renewed by the transforming of your mind. How do I transform my mind? Well, the Bible says that the transformation of your mind comes through the washing of the Word. Well, how does the Word wash my mind? You know, I, I can't pick up the Bible and go, okay, <laughs> Lord, wash me today. Wouldn't that be cool? No, come on. Some of you need to be childish for a moment. Wouldn't it be nice just to go, yes. <laughs> I feel like Mork, Yes. Okay, I'm not Robin Williams. Anyway, the, 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 the process is that the Bible says washing of the Lord. How does that take place? Well, the, the Word of God says that, that, it's, that you are snared by the words of your mouth. It's just power of life and death in the tongue. And in the words that come out of you, the words that you speak, the words that you say are, are the words that transform your life. And so as I begin to look at that and begin to think about this process, I thought, wait a minute, if I start my prayer time and I begin to confess who God is and who God has become to me, what would happen in those moments as I am doing that? Is something going to happen in my mind and in my heart? Because what I'm doing is I'm rewiring the hard paths in my mind to become like Jesus Christ. And, and so as you look at that, the first thing that you find is, and we'll give you some benefits, uh, a couple of names here. Uh, the first one is Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah Sidkenu. Now some of that, you don't have to get tied up in the Hebrew and the Greek and all that. Uh, Jehovah Sidkenu just means Jehovah our righteousness. All right? Now, how many of you know that in yourself, the Bible says, you're not righteous? Right. Scripture says your righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. But now God has become my righteousness. And so I can enter into the presence of God and begin to say, Lord, I just thank you today. I thank you that you are my righteousness. I thank you, Lord, that my sins, past, present, and future, have already been taken care of, and I have been made the righteousness of God. Now, I want to tell you, when you start praying like that, the, here's what's going to happen. The first week or two you do that, you're going to feel like the biggest hypocrite that ever lived because you're going to be remembering everything wrong you did for the past two or three days. It's like you say, I'm, I'm the righteousness of God, and the devil goes, yeah, right. Let me remind you of all that stuff you did. But, but here's what happens. The more you begin to confess, the more you begin to say what God says about you, the more that you are confessing, the washing of the Word begins to happen, and you begin to enter into, here's what the Scripture says, you begin to enter into the rest that God has for us. Here's the deal. Too many of us are striving all the time. We never learn to rest in the presence of God. How do I rest? I rest in God's presence by saying what God says about me. 
You say, well, I, I know this about me, and I know this. And I heard so-and-so praying, and they said they were the righteousness of God, and I saw them at the bar the other night, and I saw them doing this, and I saw that, and I saw this. Whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, you're not called to be a judge. Don't shout me down. All right, so chill out. Number two is the, the Word of God is more concerned about truth than he is about facts. You say, aren't they the same? No. The fact may be I'm struggling with something in my life. The truth is I'm the righteousness of God. That, that, that's where we've got to come. We've got to come where we are speaking what God says about us and stop talking what we think about us or what somebody else said about us. Because I'm going to tell you, if you live by the opinions of man, you are going to be in trouble the rest of your days. But if you live by the opinion of God, you're going to be all right. And you're going to find yourself living that John 10, 10 life, that abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give you. So I, I just say, Lord, you know, I just thank you today that you're Jehovah's Sid Canoe. You're my righteous. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say he's Jehovah Makedesh. The word Makedesh means he is Jehovah or God who sanctifies. The word sanctification means to be, to be holy or to be set apart unto God. He, here's how I get holy. You know what? I don't get holy by stopping doing all the bad stuff. I know some of us grew up in traditions that we were told, if you quit doing this and you quit doing that, you'll get holy. You won't. Now, you need to quit doing some stuff. You say, what? I don't know. <laughs> well, give me a list. No, because if I give you a list, I'll leave one off and that'll be yours and you'll hang on to it. All right, so you, you, you need to quit, some, you need to clean up your act. But here's what the Word of God says. It says that God sets us apart. And so I can declare today, Lord, I thank you that you are the one who sanctifies me. You are the one who makes me holy. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of me empowers me to live a holy life. Now, the Bible says without holiness, no man, no woman can see God. But I, it's not my holiness, it's not what I do, it's my willingness to allow the presence and the Spirit of God to lead me into everything that God has said. That's just the first benefit. Now, if that don't make you want to pray, something's wrong. But there's a whole bunch more. Let's go to the second one. The, the second benefit is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this about the Holy Spirit. It says, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you or He will lead you into all truth. Now, I don't know about you, we, you know, we, we've got the Holy Spirit. Some of you came from old school church, the Holy Ghost, right? I mean, you had the Holy Ghost. Come on, we got the, right? Back in the day, the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and then we got, we, we trying to figure out who we going to call. I'll wait on you, you're worth it. All right? So then now we got classic, we say Holy Spirit, okay? And same thing, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. But, but what we have to understand is that, is that the Spirit of God brings some things into our life. Uh, the, the, the Old Testament there tells us that He is Jehovah Shalom. Now, most, a lot of us have heard that word because of the, it's a Jewish greeting. But the word Shalom means Jehovah or God is peace. 
Now, now here's what's wonderful about when you begin to break down this word peace as it's used in Scripture. It it represents wholeness and harmony with God. Uh, It it means contentment and satisfaction in life. In, in, In other words, one of the translations that I read years ago says nothing missing and nothing broken. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to live a life where there is nothing missing and there's nothing broken in my life. That I am able today to say, you know what? I thank you, God, that you are my peace. I thank you, Lord, that I have a peace that passeth understanding, that you are with me, you are there, and that I do not have to be afraid of what's happening around me. And, and so, so the Word of God says He is Jehovah Shalom. But it doesn't stop there. It says that He is Jehovah Shammah. The word Shammah means Jehovah or God who is there. He is the God who is there. What what does that mean? That means wherever you go, He's there. You say, everywhere I go? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's making some of you nervous. You said, I thought He wasn't there. Oh, yeah, He was there. You locked the door, He's still there. You hid back in the back, He's still there. All right? He's Jehovah Shine. He's everywhere. But, but here's the great thing about that. And some of you have heard me say this, but I, I want to repeat it. I, I can remember for years getting into the car, especially if we're going on vacation or a long trip with my family, and I'd pray, you know, this real spiritual prayer. Lord, I just pray today that you'd just be with us. Lord, just, just protect us and be with us. And I'd pray that, Lord, be with us, prayer. And, and one day the Holy Spirit just, just said, stop it. And I went, stop praying? Lord, I know you want me to pray. And, and, Lord, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but this is an inner dialogue. And, and the Spirit said, I've already told you I'm with you. In fact, I told you I would never leave you, I would never forsake you, that I would go with you to the end of the age. You don't have to ask me to be with you. All you've got to do is acknowledge that I am. And when you begin to acknowledge that He is, all of a sudden, those inferiorities, those insecurities, all those things that you may be dealing with, when you begin to say, wait a minute, anywhere I go today, anything I face today, whatever I am up against today, I know that God is with me. I promise you, you will begin to face life with a little bit more confidence and a little bit more joy because you know God is with you. And, and, and so again, that's just the second benefit. That ought to make you want to pray. But there's more. There's a third one. The third benefit is walking in health. Walking in health. People say, well, you know, I'm sick. Well, that's the fact. Your body may be sick. That's a fact. The truth is, he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, your healer. You choose. Somebody, I was with somebody in a car the other day, and they said, you know what, I was reading something, and it said 70% of people in hospitals today are there because of stress. And I sat there for a minute, and I said, yeah, and the other 30% are the ones who put them in there. <laughs> you can do that what you need to. Uh, but but I, I think a lot of times we, you know, we, we talk ourselves into sickness. We, I, I'm not saying you're not sick. I, I, well, you, you're sick, but, but you t- we, we talk about it. I mean, you ever been around people who all they do is talk about how bad they are? Man, it's been a bad day. It's been a horrible week. It's been rough. I mean, there's, there's some people you see coming down the aisle at Target, and you'll go the other way. You know you will. You, I, I know you love Jesus, and you, you love them. You just don't love talking to them. Right? Because they're always confessing all the negative stuff. What, what if we started confessing what Jesus said about us? 
I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm healthy. I've got the power of God in my life. The Bible says he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them. What would begin to happen if you would start your day off saying, Lord, I thank you today that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, my healer. I I just confess today, Lord, that I'm going to walk in health today. I just thank you, God, that no matter what I face today, there's no germ, there's no disease, there's nothing that the enemy is going to be able to send my way today. And God, you're going to enable me to live a healthy life and even a healthy lifestyle today, God. And what would happen if you begin to reprogram your brain that way? What if you begin to say that about what God says about you instead of what everybody else says about you? The fourth one, we got two more. The fourth benefit is the freedom from the curse. The the Bible says in the book of Genesis, the third chapter, that we all went under a curse when Adam and Eve sinned. But the Bible says that when Jesus Christ died, we were freed from the curse. And yet what I find is, is that most Christians are still living under the curse. A little scripture that's in the Bible, it is in there. Here's what it says. My people are destroyed for the lack of going to church. <laughs> I wish it said that, but it didn't. My people are destroyed because they don't pray enough. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. If I don't know that I've been freed from the curse, I will continue to live under bondage. The Emancipation Proclamation was signed by Abraham Lincoln. On the day that he signed it, it became law. It was passed. It became that which freed every slave in America. But something had to happen before the slaves were freed. First of all, they had to hear about it. Second of all, they had to believe it. And thirdly, they had to act on it. History tells us that there were men and women on plantations that lived out the rest of their natural-born lives still a slave 20 and 30 years after the Emancipation Proclamation had been made. I want to say something to you. I see Christians who are still living under the curse even though Jesus Christ came and he has already paid the price and he has said, you are free. You are free indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free. But we're still living under the curse. The word there uh, is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider. He's my provider. He's my provider for everything. There is nothing that I'm going to need today, tomorrow, next week, next month, however long. There is nothing I'm ever going to need that he is not my provider. You say, well, Pastor, I'm up against it. You don't know. I I got these bills and I I got you. But that's the fact. The truth is he's your provider. The fact is, here's the first time this is used in scriptures. When Abraham has Isaac on the altar, he raises the knife to plunge it into the body of of Isaac. And the Bible says, God says, stop it. There's a ram that I have already prepared for you. He goes and gets the ram. And in that moment, he says, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. What would happen if you got up every morning and quit looking to your job as your provider? 
What if you quit looking to the United States of America as your provider? What if you quit looking to somebody else as your provider, but you begin to say every day that you got up, I, you know what? I am freed from the curse. In fact, some of you need to say, you know what? You may cuss me, but you can't curse me. Come on. Come on, you, you may cuss me out, but you're not going to put a curse on me because I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. I am going to receive the blessings of God. Jesus has redeemed me from the law of failure. I refuse to live a life of failure. I'm going to live a life of blessing. You know what the Bible says? Here's what Scripture says. It says, the blessings of the Lord, it what it the blessings maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it you say you, you believe Christians are supposed to have all they need he was winning for my transcript and bruised my neck with chest that was my peace was born and by his stripes you are healed yeah He said, you're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus. Is Jesus lacking anything? Was there ever a time on earth where Jesus needed anything? In fact, even while he is hanging on the cross, the Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels to have released him from that, but he chose not to. And then we walk around. i got to hurry, but we walk around so defeated and so beaten down, and yet God has freed us from the curse of the law. I want to challenge you today. Learn to live in freedom. You're hearing about it today, but it's up to you to believe it and then to act on it. But if you do, you can begin to live that John 10, 10 abundant life that Jesus said he had come to give. Let me give you the last one. The last benefit is this. It's the freedom from the fear of death and hell. Now, there's none of us wanting to die today. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not signing up to die, but I don't live in fear of death. The Bible says that he is Jehovah-Rohi. That word Rohi means he is my shepherd. He is God, my shepherd. And, and if, if one, another one of the most familiar passages in Scripture is the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, leaves me beside the still waters. And, and we love to quote that at funerals, but it's not a funeral passage. Read it. Well, it talks about death. Read it. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Now watch, don't stop there. Surely two guys are going to follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy are going to follow me everywhere I go all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's not about death. 23rd Psalm's not about dying. The 23rd Psalm is about going through the toughest day, the toughest month, the toughest year of your life, but you are coming out on the other side. You have been freed. You have been blessed. You have been anointed by the power of the Almighty God. I'm not supposed to preach. Jehovah-Rohi, my shepherd. Lastly, he's Jehovah-Nissi. That word Jehovah-Nissi means he's my banner. 
You say, what does that mean? Well, let me explain it to you. In that day, they didn't have the modern technological advances that we do in communication. So every part of the army had a banner. And so what would take place is, is that when the battle would begin to wax heavy in a certain part, you would take your banner and you would hold it up high. And when the banner went up, it meant all of the forces rallied to that point and came to fight the battle. Here's what God's saying to us. When you're going through your trial, when you're going through your tribulation, when you're experiencing those moments where it feels like everybody's forsaken, you just understand, I'm going to show up and I'm going to become your banner and all the angels that I have at my command are going to be there for you. I am your banner. I am your deliverer. I am your salvation. I will make you more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved you and gave himself for you.